Hey, Echo Church. So good to be with you today. Welcome to all of our guests online as well, everybody with us today. We're kicking off a new message series. It's going to be so much fun. But before we get into it, I want to say a huge, huge thank you to the 200 plus people that stepped up to lead and host Echo Groups this fall. Can we give it up for them? Amazing, amazing. We got together this past Monday night and prayed together, prayed for all these groups that are launching now. We prayed for you. We prayed that in your groups that you would be pastored and cared for and loved on. And I can't wait to hear all the stories of transformation that come out of this. And they actually were praying for you already. And I figured we should pray for the leaders today as we get started. Can we do that together? All of our campuses join me. Father, thank you for all these leaders that stepped up to lead these groups. As they start this week, would you bless them? Would you speak to them? Would you protect them? Use them to shape our hearts and lives. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, if you're not in a group, by the way, I'm just going to say here in the beginning, this is the day to do it because they start this week and you don't want to miss out on what most of us experience here at Echo. And if you're not in a group, you're in the minority of our community and you miss out on so much of what God wants to do in your life. There's a lot of options out there. If you don't know where to start, join us for Alpha. That's uh, the group that is great to explore life's big questions together. But check out the, group, the resource in your digital program. And I can't wait to hear all the stories that come out of it. But speaking of transformation, that's the series that we we're in. And I would say that transformation is at its peak in terms of human value in all of human history. I think our generation loves transformation and change more than any other generation has ever loved that transformation or change in their lives. We are encouraged these days to change just about everything. If you don't like it, just change it. You don't like your phone? Trade it in for a better one. Choose Apple. Uh, If you don't like your nose or your lips, there's a surgery for that. If you don't like your job, just quit. Get another one. Just go. Go. Like loyalty is not as as important anymore. If you don't like your marriage, get go. That's what people say. Just try try a different one. Just keep trying until you like it. You, if you don't like your gender, your pronoun, you can change that now. If you don't like certain people, you can cancel them. If you uh, don't want your children around, maybe you can exchange it with some. We haven't gone that far yet, but transformation is a big deal. Not all of those are bad, but here's the deal. Most of us are trying to change something around us in order to fix something inside of us. And that leads us to continual changes that keep coming back up again, no matter what we do in our lives. Not all those things are bad, but in our quest for fulfillment, we've become obsessed with change. It is a part of who we are. We're just obsessed with changing and changing and changing. Not too long ago, about two months, I, uh, was, I came into my office and I was trying to have one of those focus days where I was just going to press in and take care of a lot of my work in one day. And I plugged into my computer to my monitor and it wasn't working. So I started changing out all these cords. I changed the HDMI cord and I changed the power cord and I pressed every reset button I could find. I even hit it a few times because sometimes that makes it work. It didn't work. I called the IT guy. He's like, I don't know, man. Let's just get you a new one. So he went to the closet, got me a new one. I was like, I'll take care of it. So I I unplugged all the cables and put it down. I put the new one in and I plugged it in and it didn't work. And then I looked down and behind my desk, there's a power strip that had tripped. And I was like, no way. Ding! It turns on. 
And then I, I just went back to my old monitor, did it all over again, plugged it in, and I plugged into the power strip, and it worked. Here's the deal. I was trying to change everything externally, and I forgot to look at the one thing that really mattered, which was the power source. And in life, this is what often happens inside of us, regardless of where you find yourself today here at Echo, in your spiritual journey. You might be like feeling really far from God or just maturing in your relationship with Him. We have this in common, that we often try to change external things in order to fulfill internal longings. And the more we do that, the more empty that we come out at the end. We just continue to go in these circles. So you change your boyfriend and your girlfriend or whatever else, but the same problems come up again. And you change your jobs and you go from one job to the next and the next and the next. But the same problem keeps coming up in all these different companies. And you're wondering, what's the real problem here? And then you change relationships. Sometimes you change school students and you're like, I want to go to a different class. I want to go to a different school. And you just keep changing it over and over again. But the same thing comes back again. It's not just for some people. This is for all of us. Maybe you have a small family. Like if I just increase the size of my family, it'll be better. Let me just tell you, I have five kids. (laughs) Having more kids doesn't always improve your life. But if God tells you to do it, you should do it. And having less kids doesn't always improve your life either. And having more spouses doesn't always improve. And you, you, it's really important to understand why is it that we want the changes that we want. What do you want to change? What is it that you want to change in your life that you feel like, I, I got to get this part of my life to be different? Is it your body, your temper, your attitude? Is it your school, your job, your friends, or maybe just the emptiness that you feel every morning when you wake up and you're saying, I got to change that. Transformation is most powerful when it starts on the inside. It is not when we change all the outside, but when something changes inside of us, we begin to change. And the root of most of our problems are based on this one fact, that God's presence is what we're made for, and yet we often are distant from it. So in all this series, we're going to talk about how God transforms us through pain, through people, through his peace. But there is a root factor in transformation, which is that he wants us to, cha- to be transformed by his presence. And I know that might be new for some people people here and you came to Echo and you're like, I don't know what it's like to be changed by the presence of God. Well, I want to unpack this together because I want you to know that you can be changed by the presence of God. Today, right here in the Bay Area, he can change your life. And we really believe this. And we're going to go, we're going to go way back in a study today in the life of Moses. Because Moses, historically speaking, was one of the men that most transformed society. Almost every world religion respects Moses as a person of integrity that changed change human history. Historians have studied his life. And the thing about Moses is God used them in history to rescue the Israelites out of Egyptian slavery. And this was a very impossible task. In fact, when God showed up to Moses, he said, I'm going to use you to go take hundreds of thousands of people that are enslaved in Egypt right now out of that slavery into a land that I've promised that I would give them. Now, Moses Learn to lead these people in a way that was so significant and powerful. And I want to show you some of the secrets to Moses' life and how that applies to us. We're going to be in a book called Exodus. It's a way, it's a second book of the Bible if you have one or it's, it'll be on your screens. But we're going to start in Exodus 33 verse 7. Then it goes like this. It was Moses' practice 
to take the tent of meeting and set it up some distance from the camp. Now, let me just explain what's happening here. They're already out of Egypt at this point, and they're moving toward uh, the land that God promised he would give them called the promised land. And in that journey, they're just going in circles at this point, trying to get there. And Moses had a practice. He would take a tent outside of the camp, and there, this is what would happen. Verse 11, inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. They had a relationship that was intimate. Moses would go out there, sit with God, bow before God, stand before God, but it was face to face with God. And oftentimes he would leave the tent. People would be watching what would happen when he was in the tent and his face would be glowing because of the presence of God. He was used to that kind of relationship with him. And the word that they used for what he did was he had a practice of doing this. And I want to just pause this for a second because in our journey here as a community of faith, we're learning what it looks like to have spiritual practices. And this might be new for some people here. You might be kind of new to church, but here in our community, I'm challenging us and we're challenging each other to have spiritual practices that take us to the presence of God. And every week we talk about one of these practices typically, and they're practices that if you incorporate into your life, it helps you take a step at a time to the life that God wants for you and proximity to him. One of Moses' spiritual practices was he'd go outside of his normal environment, the camp. He set up his own tent and have face-to-face interaction with God. And that started to change everything for him. And now listen to what it says. One day then, in this journey, Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, take these people to the promised land, but you haven't told me whom you will send with me. You've told me, I know you by name, Moses, and I look favorably on you. And if it's true that you look favorably on me, let me know your ways so that I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. I love that prayer. I wonder if you've ever prayed that before. God, I want to know your ways. Like, I don't want to just hear about it. I don't want to just read it in a book. I want to know your ways. And right here, Moses is saying, God, if, you're gonna, if we're going to go on this journey, I need to know, are you going to be with us. Are you going to be with us? I want to know what your plan is. And then moving on to verse 14, it says, the Lord replied, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest and everything will be fine for you. So God reassures you, I will be there with you. But then this was so important. Moses wanted another guarantee. And he says, then Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, God, don't make us leave this place. You know what he's doing? He's like, I've known life without God. And I just want you to know, God, if you're not coming, I'm not taking a step. I'm not going one step forward without you. I need you in my step one, my step two, my step three, my step four. And if you're not going to go tell me now, because I'm going to camp right here. That was his attitude. And God's not intimidated by that, by the way, because he wants us to be near to him. He was longing for Moses to say this. In fact, listen to what it says. He says, how will anyone uh, know that you look favorably on me, on me and your people, God, if you don't go with us for your presence among us sets your people apart from all the other peoples of the earth? Wouldn't that be amazing if what sets us all apart from other people around us was God's presence in us? Wouldn't it be amazing that if if people go to you in your workplace and they see you and you're like, the thing that's different about that woman right there, the thing that's different about that person right there, the thing that's different about you, is there something about them? I think they've been with God. 
I think there's something that is inside of them that I don't have inside of me, and I want to know what that is. That was Moses. Moses knew what it was like to be near the presence of God. He knew the presence, the power of God. That was the secret to his personal transformation. When he started this journey, he was insecure. And God said, all you need is me. All you need is my presence. And he learned in this journey, I don't know what I'm doing in leading hundreds of thousands of people, but this one thing I know, I know how to set up a little tent outside the camp, and I know how to have face-to-face communion with my creator, and that's what I need. That was a secret. Then something really interesting happens. The Lord replied to Moses, I'll indeed do what you've asked, and I will look favorably on you, and I know you by name. I love this because I, even as I was preparing, I felt the Lord even say to me, remind people of this. Like when you're saying, I want to know God, I just want you to know God already knows you. He created you. He knows your name. He knows where you're from. He knows what you need. He knows the longing. He knows the emptiness. He knows what you're trying to change and why you're trying to change it. And he can be the answer to that transformation. And right here, God reminds Moses, hey, I know you by name. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what you've asked. I indeed will do what you've asked. And I will look favorably on you. And then Moses re- responded, I'm going to take advantage of God's favor right now. And he says, then show me your glorious presence. And I love this prayer. Have you prayed that before? Like you, you authentically, honestly got before God. Maybe you don't even know who God is yet, but you say, God, I want to know your glory. I want to know how big you are. I want to know your splendor and your majesty. I'm not going to be satisfied until I know how big my creator is. And this is what Moses did. He basically said, okay, God, if you're going to look favorably upon me, if you know really my name, I want to know your glory. I want to know how big you are. Show me your glorious presence. Reveal it to me. And God's answer is so different. It's so unique. He says, okay, I will make all my goodness pass before you. And then I'm going to call out my name, Yahweh. You're like, what's going on? I asked to see your glorious presence And you're answering the question with, yeah, I'm going to show you my name. See, it's hard to understand this until you go backwards a little bit. Let me tell you what happened, actually, in this scenario. I'm going to fast forward to verse 5. The Lord came down in a cloud, stood there with him, and he called out his name, Yahweh. The Lord passed in front of Moses, calling out, Yahweh the Lord. Verse 8, Moses immediately threw himself to the ground and began to worship at the name of God. To fully understand what's happening, we have to go back to the moment when Moses got called by God to this impossible task. Because in that moment, you might have heard of it before, there was a burning bush moment when fire was burning a bush but not consuming it, and Moses went and God said, I'm here, take off your sandals. This is holy ground. And he says, you're going to take my people out of slavery, and you're going to go rescue them. And Moses says, but I'm, I'm incapable of this. And he protested against God. And he says, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they're going to ask me, well, what's his name? What should I tell them? God said to Moses, 
I am who I am. Say that to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel. Yahweh, which means I am the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to be remembered for all generations. Moses, you didn't need to know anything about who you are in this moment. What you need is you need to know that I am. I am Yahweh. That is my name. I am means I am sufficient. The word Yahweh literally means I am. I exist outside of time. I don't need to complete the sentence. You see, when we say I am, we have to continue the sentence. I am an engineer. I am a student. I am, you know, empowered. I am weak. I am good at basketball. I am bad at whatever. I am. We complete the sentence. When God says his name, he doesn't need to complete it. He just is. I am that I am. You tell people that. I exist outside of your circumstance. I don't exist because of your strength. I exist in spite of your weakness. I exist in the moment right now. I am not far. I was there in your pain. I was there, Moses, when you were taking sheep out to the desert and you're thinking, ah, what am I going to do with my life? I was right there and I was preparing you to lead hundreds of thousands of people. And the moment that you said, I can't speak well, God, I don't know if I have the ability to call all these people out of slavery. I already knew that because I am. I was there. I am here and I will always be, you don't need to know you are anything when you know that I am. You see what God's doing? He said, I am the center of everything. I am the same today and yesterday and tomorrow. I'm the owner of all things. I am the Lord, the master. I am the creator, the sustainer. I am the savior. I am the source, the life. I'm enough. I am immeasurable, uncomparable, unstoppable God. That's who I am. And if God is... That also means we are not. And that's the thing that Moses was learning and had learned in the very beginning. Because when God called him to an impossible task, and maybe you feel called to an impossible task, to start something, to do something, to change your school, to change your job, to be able to be an influencer in the fears of influence that God's given to you, to take God's love to a different place, whatever it is that God's put inside of your heart, there's going to be a moment that you realize, I don't have what it takes. And Moses had that moment. He's like, God, I I can't speak. I'm too weak. I don't have the influence. They're not even going to receive me as one of their people because I'm not over there. Do you notice? I'm I'm not under slavery right now. Who are you to come rescue us? And God says, you don't have to be because I am. And that means I am not the source. I'm not powerful. I am not the author. I am not the one that has what it takes I don't have the strength within me to accomplish all that I'm supposed to do in this life. I am not enough, but I know I am. I know the Yahweh. Do you see the difference? And this is, I love how Pastor Louis Giglio says it. He says, I am not, but I know I am Yahweh. Can we say that together, all of our campuses? One, two, three. I am not, but I know I am. You see, this is the key to transformation. It's coming to the grips that in my smallness, I can see God's greatness. That I don't have to feel like I can have it all together. That I have all the skills. I have all the capacity to accomplish life alone. That I can overcome my addiction on my own. I don't have to believe all of that. I just have to know I am. That he is capable that he is enough for me. And Moses got this secret. I am not, but I know I am. Who are you? 
Who do you know? Who is God to you? Have you ever thought, I'm just not good enough? Maybe that's why you're here. Like I, I got an emptiness inside of me and I cannot fill it on my own. I'm not enough. There's got to be something more. You don't have to be enough if you know I am. I am can be the source, can be the author, the sustainer, the giver. This is my eternal name, he says, and it's to be remembered in every generation. When we recognize our finite smallness, that's when we begin to understand his infinite greatness. It's us saying, God, I'm going to take a step back and I'm going to give you the lead. And I want your presence in me to fill every gap, to fill every hole, to fill every insecurity. Your presence in me is what I need. That was Moses' journey. He didn't know what the heck he was doing, but he knew how to set up a tent. And that tent is very, very meaningful. This is my name, God says. And if you remember this name, that'll become the answer to your question. Show me your glorious presence because my name invites you in. And in fact, when Jesus came into the world, he came as the Emmanuel, the God with us. And then he started to communicate in such a way that people thought he was a heretic and were astounded by what he would say because then he started to say he was the I am. And in all these different statements throughout his teachings, people would kind of step back. Did you just say what you did when he would say things like, I am the bread of life, Yahweh, the bread of life. I am the light of the world, Yahweh, the light of the world. I'm the resurrection. I am the life. I am the good shepherd. I am the gate. I am the vine. I am the truth. I am the way. I am the life, Yahweh. That's me. And when he would say this, people were like, oh my, are you saying you're God? He's saying, Yes, that is me. In fact, at the very end, when he's at the garden praying, God, may your will be done. And if there's a way for me to escape this, let it be. But God, I want what you want. Soldiers started coming toward him. It was People estimate there were hundreds of soldiers coming toward this garden to take him to be crucified. And he says in John chapter 18, Jesus knew exactly what was about to happen. He took a step toward them and he said, who are you looking for? And in this culmination, this climactic event, they said, Jesus of Nazareth, and he says, I am. And you know what happened? You should go read it. The soldiers fell to the ground because at the idea, at the understanding of I am, there, it's impossible for us to stay standing because when you recognize God is so big and his glorious presence is so beyond and it's so uncomprehensible and it's so beyond comparison, the only response we have is to say, God, I bow before you and I give you my life. That's what happened to Moses. That's what happened to the soldiers. That's what can happen to us. But we have to create the space for I am. I want to give you three things very practical to write down that I am reminds us of. One is God's presence is near. 
I am reminds us of this, that I am not far. I am right here and God's presence is near. You don't need to beg, just invite. You're not alone. God's not distant. He's in every circumstance. And even when things don't go our way, God is already there comforting us in the process. His presence is near. I am reminds us that God's presence is enough. That when you think I'm not enough, I am says, I am what you need. I am the source. And you don't have to be when you know I am. He's the sustainer of life. He's the strength you need. When you think I'm not, God says, I am. And I am that I am that I am. And I'll always be. And you cannot change that with your circumstances. When you think you're too young to make a difference, students, I just want you to remember, you might not be enough, but I am is. And when you think you're too old to still have your life count, you don't have to feel like you have it all together. You are not. But if you know I am, everything changes. Number three, God's presence changes everything. He is the answer. If there's one prayer I have for our church is that we would be a community that knows how to set up our tent and be face-to-face with God. Because I believe from the bottom of my heart that if we get proximity with God right, it is the anchor that changes all other parts of our lives. If you make a commitment with me to give God your time, it'll change you. I guarantee it. It'll change your life. I love to see it this way. You know, if God is in that chair right there, I wonder where you would position your chair today because he wants to be face-to-face intimate with you and he's there and he's stable and he is who he is. But sometimes what we do is we turn from our chair away from God. And God is waiting right there. And in our busyness, we just keep striving and we keep striving. And before we know it, we find ourselves really far from God. And he's over there waiting. And he, we're just one step away from coming back. But our lives have been distracted. And then there's others that you feel like you've just turned your back on him. And you know he's been drawing you. But it's, it's like he's far. And you, you've, you've chosen a path that you know is contrary to his will. And you just sense him say, would you come and let me be with you? And I wonder where you are in this relationship here. Even as you sit in your chair today, wherever you're at, where is God's chair in relation to yours? Because the truth is that Jesus, when he came to earth, he came to deal with that gap right there. See, there was a sin that separated us from being intimate with God. And Jesus wanted so badly for our chairs to be close that he stepped right here in between where there was a wall and he sacrificed his life paying the penalty of our sins, which is separation from God. He took our penalty upon himself so that there's nothing in between us and our creator. It is the most incredible privilege of human life. And it is the one that we take most for granted often. And there's an invitation here. Maybe you felt kind of far, and I want to just remind you, there's an invitation for you. That God is not distant. He is waiting. He's waiting right here. And he's saying to you, I, I am what you need. I, I'm more than enough. I know you don't feel like you got it together. And that relationship scarred you, and you feel distant, like I can never accept you again. And I just really believe he's saying to you, I know your name. Would you, would you come close? 
Can we just commune? Can we, can I show you what I can do in you like I did with Moses? Like Moses was right here. He's like, I, God, I don't know how to lead these people. And God says, you don't need to know. You just got to get really close to me. And he did. He just set up his tent. It's like, I don't know a lot. I don't know about, I don't know about leadership. I don't know about speaking. But I know how to get close to my creator. That changes everything. I hope you hear the invitation that God has for you right now. You know, if you're a dad or a mom or a child, you know that the best gift you can give your children is your time with them. That you can try to buy them all the toys in the world, but at the end of the day, what your child wants more from you is you. Would you just be with me? And I believe that's how God invites us to his presence. That when you want to change that gap, when you want to change the unfulfilled part of life, or you have the addiction that you're like, I just cannot overcome. and I don't know how to make a difference in my school and in my work. You don't need to know. If you know I am. Do you hear him inviting you? He changes everything. The most practical thing we can do in this journey is to give God space. See, he stands outside of time. That's what I am means. He's not subject to time. So for him to be in our lives, time is what we have to give to him. He's already here, but he waits for us to make the time to be with him. It's not very complicated. I'm slowing down on purpose because I feel like in our rush in the Bay Area in achievement, we miss out on the very thing that is most important in this life. Did you know that you can do more in one hour with God than in 10 hours alone? Did you know that with God's blessing, you can run farther than you can on your own? And if we believe that, that there is a creator that longs for intimacy with his creation, the one gift we can give him is proximity in our time with him. I want to ask you to do this. In fact, there's a very simple tool that many of us on our staff use. It's called Lectio 365. It's an app. You don't have to use it, but it's a tool I use. I used it this morning. It's a 10-minute guided time with God in the morning and in the evening. It's in your digital program today. There's QRs there you can scan. It's free. And when you if, you, if you don't have a practice like Moses did to just be there with God, it's a great way to start or a great way to enrich your practice. To just say, God, I'm going to give you my first 10 minutes of my day and my last 10 minutes of my day. And it guides you through it. And that one decision can change all other parts of your life. Would you close your eyes with me at all of our campuses, wherever you are today? 
we're going to sing a song that is the prayer of Moses. God, show me your glorious presence. Show me your glory. And we're going to ask him to come here and now. And we're going to make space. And in the beginning of the song, as our worship pastors and leaders lead, just remain seated. Say it inside of your heart first. And then you're going to be having an invitation to stand. And when you stand, I want to invite you to respond to God with your words, to sing it out and to say, God, I want you more than I want anything else in my life. So Father, speak to us in this moment. Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, now in our campuses, in our spaces, in this time, we call on you. Thank you again so much for joining us today. We hope that you found this helpful. And if you did, be sure to like, comment, and subscribe to stay updated on the latest content that we have for you. Also, we are dependent on the financial contributions of others to support and sustain our ministry. So be sure to go to echo.church/give if you feel led to participate so that we can continue making an impact together. Thank you so much again, and we'll see you next time.